Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. What was going through your mind? Do you think she was going to ask yeah. for the baby back? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought that um, that this was it. And what happened? The craziest day of my life happened. I'm Diana Sugg of the Baltimore Sun. This is episode four of The Wait, a podcast about what it means to be a mother and one woman's long journey to become one. Last time, reporter Yvonne Wenger and her husband took in two foster children. They cared for the pair of brothers for more than a year, until the day the older brother was sent back home. We pick up Yvonne's story a few weeks later, when she gets a phone call about a newborn. A social worker has just brought the two-day-old girl to her home. I wondered if this was real. This was a moment that I had been waiting on for almost a decade, nine years. And um, and when I couldn't sleep at night, I used to think about the moment that I would become a mother. It used to be like a a little game I would play to stop myself from thinking about the things I was worried about, like bills or um, how a story turned out or something. It was like my go-to thing that made me happy and hopeful. And um, and when it became clear that it wouldn't be kind of the natural order of things, I had no anchor to know what this moment was going to look like. And so yeah, I just thought, was this my moment? Was she my daughter? Yvonne and Artie spend the night holding the baby, gazing at her, wondering if she could possibly become their daughter. There's a chance of adoption, but nothing is definite. The biological mother, a young woman, had named the man whom she believed to be the father. Yvonne didn't know the woman, but she did know that this mother had carried a healthy baby that she wanted to go to college, and she wanted to put this child up for adoption with a loving family. Yvonne felt more sure than not that the paternity test would be positive. If it was, the potential father had been certain he wanted to raise this baby. They get the paternity test, kicking off a two-week waiting period. It's just, it's just this whole process is so much limbo, you know, so it's like trying to balance the joy um, that you would feel as a new parent with um, the fear that this isn't real, this is just more of the same pain, you know. What was your prayer about the paternity test? You started out with oh, one prayer, right? Yeah. I um, I feel like I have these flashes of, you know, this kind of high-minded, who-I-want-to-be person. And so I, um, I came to a point where I was praying that if this young man is the father, then it could be better for this child to never have the pain of having to wonder what her birth family looked like or, you know, who she took after, 
um, or even the pain of being a black child raised by white parents. So, um, so I, I said that this was up to God, that he had to, I would be willing to accept what he chose as the best path for this little girl, that, um, that she would be insulated from all of these things that, um, that she could not know the pain of, um, of having to, yeah, not mm-hmm. know where she came from. But I was, I mean, just anybody who has longed for a child to hold a baby is intoxicating, just entrancing to like look in their eyes and see them looking back at you um, the way that she would be drinking a bottle and just stop and just stare at me. I just was just, it just a lot like, it's a lot like falling in love with your, you know, it was a lot like falling in love with my husband. It was intoxicating. It was all I wanted was to hold her. I thought, you keep me up all night, but I just want to be, I want to be up all night um, with you. And, uh, and so as I'm just really um, falling in love with this child, I, I, just said endlessly in my head, please let this paternity test be negative. Please let it be negative. Please let it be negative. Like I just, I, I said it constantly in my head. It was all I wanted. It was my greatest prayer. And mm-hmm. it was certainly much more selfish than um, originally what I was thinking would be best for the baby. Yvonne spends night after long night with this new baby, waiting for the results of the paternity test. The call could come at any time. I called the worker to see if the results were in right before close of business on um, on one of the days, and she said that they weren't in, so um, I thought, oh, I have to wait at least another day. And... Um, and she called back and she told me, um, brace yourself. The results are in. What were you thinking when she said that? That the baby would leave immediately and go home to this young man. Instead, she said, he is not the father. I just couldn't even believe it. I couldn't believe it. I just... um, And knowing mm. that meant you had much more of a chance to adopt her. Yeah, there was more hurdles. It was a huge moment. It was, um, oh my gosh. (laughs) I just, um, I remember my girlfriend, um, the former foster child who had encouraged me to understand why I was on this journey if reunification was the goal, but what I wanted was a family. Um, she called me when she found out and she said, Happy Mother's Day. Mm. Yeah. Um, I just was like walking on air. I was. It was, um, yeah. But very quickly, like, it was like the next thing, my mind went to the next thing to worry about, which was the ability for the mother to change her mind. And I and I will say I fully respected her opportunity to change her mind. Um, How long did she have? So I didn't ever get a real clear understanding of exactly how long she had, um, but things unfolded pretty rapidly after that phone call about the paternity test because the next day the judge um, was going to read into the record that the paternity test was negative to the young man and um, in the court. And so... The worker had told us with the results being negative that we didn't really have to worry about the proceeding the next day um, because the judge was just going to tell him that it was negative. 
Um, so I actually had to work like 2.30 to 11.30 shift. And so I was just kind of waking up around 10 o'clock um, and, you know, was blow, was blow drying my hair, actually. And my husband was just home from work and we were going to run out the door and take our dog to the emergency vet because he was having an issue. And um, And the worker called on the phone and said can you bring the baby to the courthouse um, right away? The mother has has shown up. What was going through your mind? Do you think she was going to ask yeah. for the baby back? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought that um, that this was it. And what happened? The craziest day of my life happened. is about three weeks old. Though the social worker assured the girl's mother she didn't need to show up in court, she does, asking to see pictures of the baby. The social worker calls Yvonne and tells her she and the baby need to be there too. Yvonne dresses the girl in a onesie with pale stars and a headband. She wants her to look beautiful for her mom. The birth mother takes everyone by surprise by requesting mediation for an open adoption agreement. Though Yvonne wasn't expecting it, she had always wanted an open adoption for her potential child. It's a legal agreement that spells out parameters for a relationship between the child, the birth family, and the adoptive family. Yvonne thought the more loving people in this child's life, the better her life would be. A social worker watches the baby while another ushers Yvonne to a room. The birth mother is waiting inside. And what happened when you walked in? I just, I, I saw her sitting there and I just said, oh my God, you are beautiful. You said that out loud to her? I did. She she is. And um and and she um she didn't she didn't get up um from where she was sitting and I I will f- forever see her sitting there at the table and she was um petite and she had her little hands tucked into the top of these boots that came up over her knees. And I I don't know the strength that she has inside of her to do this. I, and I said those things to her in, oh my gosh, like, I just am... (laughs) just babbling I guess at some point I just wanted her to know um I tried to tell her a little bit about my husband and I I I know I said um our ages I was 37 uh, my husband had just turned 40 and um <laughs> I said where we lived and I said I said a whole lot of stuff um but w- what I what I really wanted her to know was that we had longed for a child and were ready to be parents and um, and that we wanted her to be a part of the baby's life. And I said to her, if she decides that this is what she wants, that I would tell the baby every day that she is an angel because she is. That her mother is an angel. Yes. Yes. She just, what an amazing thing to do. And I worry about the pain that she had to go through to come to this decision, and I hope that she has peace. With a mediator and a social worker, Yvonne and the birth mother work out the terms of an open adoption. 
it is uncharted territory for both of them. A foster parent had told Yvonne it was better to start small and that an agreement and relationship could get broader over time. So that's what they do. They agree that the birth mother would see the baby twice a year on the baby's birthday and on another floating special occasion. The mother is stoic and sweet. She cries only when they talk about the baby's birthday. The two women sign the agreement. By this point, Artie, back from the vet, has arrived at the courthouse. The birth mother still has about a month to change her mind, but it is time to go into the courtroom and tell a judge that she has made this decision. So we go into this courtroom and it's largely empty. I think there was a couple of other DSS workers that were there um, before um, the next hearing. They were kind of there a little bit early. And it was um, it was like this dimly lit courtroom. And the judge was a man. Um, and Artie and I were sitting there next to the social worker. And um, the young woman was standing on the left side of the courtroom. And she was by herself standing up there. And on the right side was um, two DSS lawyers, one representing the agency and then one um, the child's lawyer there to represent the baby's best interest. And I saw the birth mother standing up there and I thought she looks so small and she looks so young. And I wanted to... I wanted to stand next to her. I didn't want her to be standing there by herself. But um, the judge said to her that um, he said everything he said to her like three times, which seemed, of course, deliberate to me. But he um, he said, you know, that she they could stop everything today and she could get legal representation. And he asked her another couple of times and each time. She said that she was resolved, that this is what she wanted to do, and that she knew she had a right to a lawyer, but she wasn't, um, didn't think it was necessary. She was clear that this is what she wanted. She was clear and unwavering um, that this was what she wanted. And so he says, the judge says, um, I understand that there's been this paternity test and it is negative. And the proceeding ends pretty quickly after that point. And um, and we're ushered into the hallway. And they they tell us that that we can leave, that we can stop and get the baby and we can leave. And I see the young woman and she is standing there and I say, could I give you a hug? And she said, yes. And I put my arms around her, and I put my hand on the back of her head, and I held her for a second, and I whispered in her ear, I said, thank you. And she pulled away, and she looked right in my eyes, and she said, thank you. Relatives can still come forward and claim the baby. Yvonne and Artie are in purgatory. Meanwhile, they are still caring for the younger foster son who's been with them for almost two years. His older brother had gone home. It's a little bit before Christmas, and Yvonne thinks the judge will be motivated to reunify the family around the holidays. The hearings continue. You would put him to bed, and you would think, this is the last time, and... Then you would cry all night because the end had come and you were going to miss him like crazy and you loved him. And then you had to go to work because you can't take off, you know, because these hearings are all the time. 
and you try to hold together and you try not to cry at your desk and you research ways to stop yourself from crying like digging your fingernails into your you know making fist or pinching your leg or counting to ten and then you just cry anyway because you can't stop and um and then the worker calls you and says he's not going home <laughs> and you're back on the treadmill I guess I mean you're back you're back in it they end up spending Christmas together but soon after the call comes the little boy is going back to his father do you think he's ready at that point to go back home to his dad is his dad ready yes and you I had rem- worried and worried I had worried and worried and then I had a, an exact moment when I felt like I got it so this little boy loved trains. He was crazy for trains. He I don't even know what it is about trains that are so appealing, but um but he loved them. So we would take him uh we took him to the trolley car museum. You know, we bought him trains for uh for holidays and birthdays and played trains with him. Um and you know, I knew that foster care was meant to make sure that the children could be safe, um, that they had a safe environment to stay in, that all of their needs were taken care of. What I worried about was, aside from a bed to sleep in, a house that was safe, uh, and food in the refrigerator, would his parents be able to indulge his love for trains? Would that part of him stay alive and grow when he went home? So I had a moment uh, that was really significant. All of this was on my mind, and I had been um, I had been away from home after uh, my husband went to pick the toddler up from a weekend visit. And so I had come home after he'd gone to bed. And uh, and a few days later, I was doing the laundry. And I pulled out a pair of pajamas uh, that he had worn home. He must have worn home from this visit. And it was Thomas the Train pajamas and I stood there in front of my dryer in my basement holding these pajamas and um, and I knew that their father was well able to provide a safe environment for them and to love them, but I knew now that he could he could really nurture them. Um, he was their dad. He was ready. After caring for this child for two years, Yvonne and Artie suddenly find themselves on the outside looking in. They ask what kind of child care arrangements had been made. They knew that had been a hurdle in the family's reunification. And a wonderful daycare is one of the greatest gifts Yvonne and Artie felt they had given the boy. But the social worker tells them it was all taken care of and their obligation had been fulfilled. Something that had mattered to them so much, they now didn't even have a right to know. When they get the call, Artie and the boy are finishing up an appointment at the pediatrician. Yvonne packs up a bag with the toddler's most beloved things, his Thomas and Percy and diesel trains, and his favorite snacks. So my husband gets home with him and he bursts through the door and calls out for mama. And he comes into the living room and he has his little arms wrapped around 
a bouquet of red and white flowers that they had stopped at the store to pick out for me. He says, here you go, Mama. And I just held him and I kissed him and I tried to tell him what we had tried to explain, which was he was moving back. He was going to go home with his daddy and his brother. And he wasn't going to live with us anymore. But we loved him. And he was a good boy. And we packed the stuff into the back of my SUV. And we wanted to stop by the park at my near my house. <laughs> play with him in this special spot where we had gone so many times and been together, you know, watching him from a 15-month-old who couldn't really, I mean, he couldn't really walk, he couldn't really run um, to a full-fledged little boy who just ran around the playground with laughter and light and love and security and <laughs> and I said goodbye to my dreams that he would be mine and uh, we were meeting the social worker at his house with his dad and, uh, and so, you know, we were running short on time, and so we had to get him packed up in the car and, and make the drive to their home. And um, we pulled up to their street, and I saw their dad sitting on the front steps. And when he saw our car come down the street, he sprung up and... He came to the car, and I thought, what a sweet moment for this man who had worked so hard, who had overcome so many hurdles. And we unpacked the car, and and I can't really remember um, the hug I gave to the toddler or what I said to him last. But I, um, I hugged their dad and I told him that I was really proud of him and I told him congratulations, you know, that he, I knew that he had been through it, you know, he had been through so much to get to this point and, um, and of course I started crying and, and he started crying and, um, Artie and I, you know, turned to walk back to the car. And as we were walking, around the corner comes our older foster son on his way home from school. And he sees the scene playing out before him. And the toddler blows past Artie and I, running straight for his brother his arms in the air and the boys come together and they hold each other and I knew that these borrowed children had made me a mother and I knew with absolute clarity that this was the whole point
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. They return home to the baby girl and to waiting, waiting for the court proceeding to formally finalize the adoption, always tempering any joy of wanting to celebrate this child with the fear of losing her and the grief of losing the two boys they love so much. Technically, this baby was still a ward of the state. Yvonne and Artie have no legal protections and Yvonne is constantly worried about something happening to them or the baby. What would happen to their family? They hold off on posting pictures to Facebook, but at some point, they take a leap of faith. It starts small, whispering their name for this child in her ear. Adeline. Oh, my baby Adeline. They schedule an adoption party and a baptism. They want to celebrate and feel normal. How do you get through each day when you're in this situation of feeling like you can't even breathe? How, how have you done it? My husband tells me and my mother tells me that I am really worrying too much because the social worker has assured us and we've signed some paperwork that call us the adoptive parents. Um, But I will tell you, Diana, that this process has changed me. It has changed who I am on a million levels. But one of the things it's done to me is made me so scared. You know, I just feel like Life can change. Um, There's no guarantees. And of course, you know that. Um, But I have lived it. I have lived this uncertainty and it has changed me. I just long for the opportunity to be in control of my life, you know. How else has it changed you? You feel like you're a different person? I think that um, with the boys' parents and so many other people have to go through is um, it's a it's a different world um, that I lived in, and I feel like you can understand things um, intellectually, but when you don't have a car. Um, or when you have a criminal record, um, there are ways that your life can spiral really rapidly. When you don't have a safety net, when you don't have um, just stability, you know, and and to see it um, on a personal level makes me think that we have to find a way to treat each other better Um, because life is hard now 
Yvonne and Artie wait to go to court. They must stand in front of a judge, the person who will legally make them Adeline's parents. After a whole decade, after everything, this might have seemed the longest wait of all. I couldn't accept that it was real until there was an adoption, until the judge recognized that she was in fact our daughter and nobody could take her from us. You know, I couldn't get over the thought that this adoption, my life, Adeline's life, my husband's life, our family, everything that I had waited for was in a folder sitting on somebody's desk with all of my hopes and all of my anxiety, everything that had been built up. And I just thought, let me do it myself. Let me do whatever you have to do to get this paperwork finalized. Just let me in, you know, just stop letting this sit on your desk like a building permit. This is everything. So I came up with a lot of rational and irrational thoughts and I have um, really steep uh, staircase in our house house is built in like 1922 and I thought you're sleep deprived doing however many feedings in the middle of the night you're rushing and you just lose your footing and you fall down the steps and this five pound baby is in your arms and you take her to the emergency room and a doctor decides that they have to take her from you because you injured she got so injured in your care So you have all these fears, and the weeks are going on, and all the while, you're planning what's supposed to be an adoption party, celebrating Adeline becoming your daughter. I had the day that had been marked on my calendar for so long, um, just looking forward to it, and I tried to, I definitely, I should say, I definitely enjoyed myself, <laughs> but um, but I carried a lot of kind of emotional baggage going into it because it wasn't at the point of pure celebration that I had wanted it to be. Tell us about the party, setting up for it. What was the day like? Well, it was so incredible. It was, um, it was a beautiful day in Baltimore's beautiful Druid Hill Park. It's really a jewel of the city. You know, this expansive park, the borders, the zoo, the reservoir in the middle. It was the day after our 11th wedding anniversary. You know, I had streamers and balloons and um, and a donation table and the food table and, and, uh, and the guests started showing up and it was not even close to being finished um, setting up. And everybody just went into action, you know. My uncle's wife and their kids from Brazil are taping streamers along the, the beams of the pavilion. And one of my closest friends has enlisted her angel of parents to help just do a million things. And I thought, like, that this was my village it was it this was everything it was just it was incredible it was the um just if it felt very much like my wedding day just surrounded by love and celebration and at the center of it was the most beautiful little girl wearing a pale yellow dress with her hair in two poofs sitting there bright-eyed and just ready for the world Do you remember what you said to the group at one point? You got up to say something. I loved everybody there, and I know that they loved me. And I was standing around looking at everybody, and the toddler, our foster son, and his brother, our other foster son, were there. And the little one climbs up with me to stand on the bench of the picnic table, as I'm making this announcement. And it was just um, just so uh, unexpected. 
to have come down this road and to end up uh, holding my daughter and my foster son's hand and looking out on my world. It's remarkable where your life can bring you. And I was just soaking it all in that day. waiting still for the court date yeah so so the party came and went um and we had signed an adoption decree where we got to write our signatures above a line that described us as Adeline's mother and father but that needed to be notarized and the judge needed to sign it and we needed to stand before him in his courtroom to make it official and that day just it just like wasn't scheduled and it wasn't scheduled and it was you know a paperwork issue or it was a docket issue and I don't I mean it was just a lot of unclear reasons why it you know hadn't happened So you're sitting at your desk in the newsroom at the Baltimore Sun, and this text appears with the news that you've been just waiting for and praying for, for at this point, months. Yeah. And um, did you call your husband? Did you start to cry? What happened? Oh, yeah. All those things. I started to cry, and I called my husband, and I called my mother, and I was, I mean, I was deeply happy but mostly it was a relief that the fear was coming to an end and what was it like at the courthouse because the dss offices are uh right there there's like a a lot of kind of the familiar players kind of walking by so i saw almost like this cast of characters in my story um walking by I saw this lawyer, and she was the woman who sat with me on the day that we worked out the open adoption agreement with Adeline's first mother, and she just had some words of wisdom for me that day that that stayed with me. Uh, She said, I was feeling guilty um, that this young woman had found herself in the position when she was where she was making such a hard choice and um to give up her to baby. give up her baby and um and this lawyer says to me a little bit sternly to not take this away from her she was a young woman who knew what she wanted she was resolved to make this decision and and I owed her um the respect um, to know that that she knew what was right for her. So everything was coming full circle this day at the courthouse. And you and Artie were, were standing next to each other, facing the judge. Was Artie holding Adeline? Yes. In her blue dress? Yes. And I believe you had, like, one arm around him, and he had another arm. You two were very tightly... Holding on to each other, it looked like to me almost for dear life. What did it feel like <laughs> to stand there in that moment with your daughter? This is my little family. These are, this is my family. And um, just to feel so much love for these two human beings that will be by my side for um, for the rest of my life. Was that the moment that your daughter took the name that you had for her? So she had, she had, you know, this 
um, this name that was given to her by a social worker when she was discharged from the hospital, but the judge legally changed her name to Adeline Patricia Nordstrom, uh, Patricia for my mother, uh, and Nordstrom is my married name, my husband's name, and, um, and Adeline is the name that we've been waiting a long time to name her and I you know I got this um I got this sign actually at the dollar store and um and I put it um I put it on her wall and I surrounded it by picture frames for the 12 months of um of her life the first 12 months and it says it was always you all of this time it wishing and waiting and wondering um failed you know, uh, attempts to get pregnant, infertility testing that was fruitless, and uh, considering um, international adoption or private domestic adoption, the books I read and the research I did, and like all of this stuff, it was leading me to this point, like it was always her. She was always at the end of the rainbow. Even with Adeline as their daughter, Yvonne and Artie's journey into the foster care system is not over. The pair of brothers they loved and cared for are now home, but Yvonne feels those borrowed children made her a mother. And she and Artie still want to take in children in need. along this process, I started to think about what love really is because I got to a point with um, the toddler especially because his process went on longer and I thought, if I really love this little boy like a mother, how could I ever say goodbye? And I thought I should be fighting to keep him if I loved him like a mother, if I really loved him. Um, But as I got into it, I thought that, as I really tried to understand that question, I thought that, um, that the real love is the love behind the ego so if I took my own agenda and my own ego out of it then there could be no pain there could only be love for the little boy for his brother for their parents it was um this other understanding of love I just I felt like that love um was the pure love the love for somebody else um for the humanity in each of us and um and so like that's (laughs) the best version of myself Mm -hmm. and and some days I can feel that and then some days just miss them and when you you had the the first placement with the little boy and you really didn't know any lullabies and you reached for twinkle twinkle little star how did it end up at the end with him what was the ritual did you sing that to him did you play it on a little cd player yeah he just i can hear his sweet little voice singing it and the way he would mispronounce his s's and his T's and um, the way his speech was emerging and the way his the way he sang it had changed over time. Um, but it was the song that we sang together. It was our song. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so um, he would... How did that work? Was that after he was in the crib and you were holding on? P- paint the picture for us. I mean, it was all the time. Oh. It would be, you know, in the car. It would be um, playing with toys. It would be um, rocking him to sleep. It would be tucking him in. Um, 
we had this little sound machine in the room and um and he always wanted to turn it on and he would put on the lullaby for the note the music for twinkle twinkle little star and um <laughs> he would let it play all night long and there would be some, there would be some nights I would come upstairs and I would turn it off in the middle of the night or I'd wake up and I think oh I'm hearing that song <laughs> to turn it off you know um and, and wouldn't he wake up when he noticed that music was off and he would ask for me to turn it back on and um and so I left that sound machine in Adeline's room and one day I turned it on um, and the music for Twinkle Twinkle Little Star comes out and it cut me right in my heart and um, I had to change it and it was a long time before I could sing that lullaby, but I sing it to her now. This has been The Wait, a podcast of the Baltimore Sun. Look for an episode in the coming weeks following up on Yvonne's story. This podcast accompanies words, pictures, and video on our website. Go to baltimoresun.com slash the wait. For Yvonne Wenger and producers Quinn Kelly and Steve Early, I'm Diana Sugg. Bye-bye.